The Buffalo Bills made another addition to the offensive line. We're breaking down the newly signed David Edwards and the current outlook for the unit today on Locked on Bills. You are Locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and please be sure to subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, we've got two segments for you today. This is our sixth episode of the week, but I couldn't let the signing of David Edwards linger until next week. We had to get another episode in, and who knows what's going to happen on the trade front. There's still plenty of rumblings out there about DeAndre Hopkins and Ed Oliver and Boogie Basham, so we might be back again for you this weekend. I'm obviously not going to make you wait, if the Bills make a big trade for Monday for a podcast to come through, I'll stop what I'm doing and make sure that I get that to you as quickly as I possibly can. But today we're focusing on David Edwards and then just a general outlook for this offensive line as it continues to take shape here this offseason. But we'll start with the newest addition, David Edwards. I'll present him just like I did Damian Harris and Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy and Connor McGovern. I studied his tape this morning. I did all the background research, and now it's time for you to get caught up on all things David Edwards, who signed a one-year contract with the Bills. As of the recording of this podcast, we do not have the terms of that contract. He's 26 years old. In fact, he just turned 26 this week, um, in mat- as a matter of fact. So this will be his age 26 season was a fifth-round pick in 2019 by the Los Angeles Rams, number 169 overall. Spent the first two seasons of his career with Bill's offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer. So there's obviously a lot of familiarity there. Edwards played his college football at Wisconsin. Pretty fun story. He was a high school quarterback and also a really good basketball player. In addition to playing quarterback, he was the team's long snapper. He was a part-time defensive end, so the guy wore a lot of hats in high school, but he certainly didn't play offensive line. He did get an offer to play quarterback in college from Illinois, but most of the teams that were recruiting him saw him as either a tight end or a defensive end. So he goes to Wisconsin to play tight end, and he redshirts as a freshman, But then after that season in spring of 2016, he makes the transition to offensive tackle. So he winds up being a three-year starter at right tackle for Wisconsin, declares for the draft and gets drafted by the Rams. So he enters the NFL with only three seasons ever playing offensive line. In terms of his verified measurements, He's 6061, so six foot six and one eighth, 308 pounds, has 33 and three eighth inch arms, nine and three quarter inch hands. 
His athletic testing, 5'2", 40-yard dash, 25-and-a-half-inch vertical jump, 99-inch broad jump, 7'6", 3-cone, and a 4'7", short shuttle. That's incredibly average. In fact, his RAS score is an average mark of 5.56, which is quite the deviation from the offensive line trends that we've seen the Bills invest in over the last couple of years where those RAS scores for these Bills offensive linemen have been north of nine, right? Really eight and a half or higher for the players they've brought in. So he doesn't quite fit that prototype, but I'm guessing the familiarity with Aaron Cromer was good enough for the Bills to make this signing. So he goes to the Rams and becomes a rookie starter in 2019 in week seven. Starts 10 games that year and really never looked back. He became their guy at right guard. Like I said, week seven of 2019, then for all of 2020, all of 2021, and then he enters 2022 as, again, their starter, and he has a concussion. He's limited to just four starts last year due to a concussion and then actually had another concussion. So he was in the protocol a ton. And they wound up putting him on the shelf late in the season. And now he's on the Buffalo Bills. But David Edwards with the Rams was on a really good trajectory. Like was on pace to be a four-year starter for them. You thought he was, you know, positioning himself well for a Nice second contract, and that didn't happen because I would think the injuries, in particular two concussions, his final season with the Rams. And then, of course, the Rams, they're they're a mess, right? Unloading players, rebuilding. I mean, good thing they won that Super Bowl. Otherwise, that would have been... (laughs) one of the worst all-in stories you'll ever see. Uh, But they got their Super Bowl, and so it doesn't really sting right now that they're unloading players and not retaining them, but they weren't in position to really bring him back. And obviously he goes somewhere in Buffalo where there's at least familiarity with the offensive line coach and Aaron Cromer. So what does the film say? I watched the film this morning, and I wanted to go back and watch some of his 2020 stuff But for whatever reason, NFL Plus doesn't give you all 22 beyond the current season, which was super annoying. So I tried to watch a little broadcast tape of 2020 and it didn't, it just, it's not effective for scouting. So we went back and watched a couple of his 2022 starts this past season. I did uh, Seattle and Arizona. Um, And so this is what the tape told me. I saw a controlled, coordinated, grounded blocker, right? Those are hallmarks of Aaron Cromer, guys that play within themselves, that have good control of their frame, that stay grounded, and then also a very effective use of hand leverage. You know, we talk about pad level when it comes to offensive line, and that's important, but it's really about how you bend at your hips and what type of leverage you can generate with your hands to win one-on-one battles, and you see a good amount of consistency from David Edwards in that regard. Now, for a guy with 
only average movement skills. I thought he did a good job of compensating for that by taking really good angles. So whether he's pass setting and needing to frame a block, his angles are really strong, but also how he works into space and climbs to the second level. You know, he doesn't have the get off to cut off linebackers when he's climbing to the second level, but because he does a good job of taking angles, that makes him a fairly effective blocker in space. I think he generally does well to keep his feet engaged and his hands fit. He's got good grip strength and ability to sustain blocks. Those hands are really firm once they're engaged. He doesn't easily allow his hands to be displaced. And so much of trench play in the NFL is hand usage, right? Can you fit your hands? Do you have the reach and do you have the hand technique to get your hands on your opponent and control the rep? And we'll talk about some concerns that I have there with David Edwards, but once his hands are fit, I see good grip strength and ability to stay latched and sustain blocks. And one thing that I'll say about watching David Edwards with the Rams in Sean McVay's offense is that this is a very offensive line friendly system. There's a lot of misdirection, which is very advantageous for offensive linemen. There's a lot of built-in angles that make things easy for an offensive lineman to gain an advantage in a rep. Now I'll say that David Edwards is a smart player that functions well in the scheme. He's got really good timing and awareness, but I I am mindful of how O-line friendly I believe Sean McVay's system is, and and certainly that's an asset to any player. And, of course, this is through the lens of David Edwards, and so I want to acknowledge that. With Edwards, he has a very likable temperament, very competitive stays looking for work. He's a guy that I would say is busy out there. Even when he's uncovered, he gets his eyes to spots where he can help. He follows the play. He stays engaged. There's a really nice competitive temperament about the way he executes. So there's a lot to like. Now, as for the concerns, I mean, last season is a concern. In the concussion protocol twice, his market was very clearly modest. You know, I thought someone would sign him to be a starter. And like we talked about, the Bills are a good spot for him due to the Cromer familiarity, but I don't think with the Bills, his path to a starting role is clear. And we'll talk about that more in the next segment. But that's definitely something that I'm mindful of. It's not lost on me that this guy had good tape for three seasons. And then last year for the Rams and himself, it just didn't go well. And now, He's a third-wave free agent signing that's likely a depth player. You know, really kind of flies in the face of the career trajectory that he was on. That's the NFL for you, right? Things change quick. So that's something that I'm mindful of when it comes to concerns. I will say that for as controlled as he is, when some of those more twitchy interior pass rushers challenge his ability to quickly redirect, and stay square in pass protection, you can tell he doesn't have the foot quickness and ability to consistently stay square, and that will sometimes 
force him to fold at the waist, right, which is not what you want. You don't want to fold at the waist. You want to stay leveraged with your hips and bend at your knees. And that, that leads to him getting a little bit top-heavy in pass protection. And so when that happens to you, you lose control. You're not going to block anybody in the NFL when you're folding at the waist, you're top-heavy, and you're not staying under control. And you didn't see that show up a ton, but some of these twitchy pass rushers that can line up as a three technique and shoot that a gap and cross face and really stress you to redirect or guys with those dynamic inside rips or can come back with a, a a spin counter type stuff. You know, that really put a lot of stress on him to redirect and stay engaged and, and have the movement skills to really stay on top of those blocks. And so I saw that creep up from time to time. I have a, a minor concern about hand carriage. Uh, he's a guy that tends to hold his hands a bit low. And what happens there is uh, it, it elongates some of his punch uh, because his hands are kind of more towards his side. They're not ready to fire. And when they're lower down like that, it can lead to some issues uh, gaining initial hand positioning to win reps. And so um, sometimes they can be low and then a little bit wide with his strikes. So teachable stuff but I thought that got him in trouble a few times but overall really likable film I'm honestly surprised he didn't appear to have more of a market if you guys remember my mock offseason I signed him to be the starter right like I was comfortable with that type of trajectory for him and in hoping that the concussion stuff of 2022 was a blip in the radar and he can get his career back on track Um, so he's a likable player um I really enjoyed his film. I think in in some ways you wish you can combine him and Connor McGovern to be one player, Um, but it's very clear that they signed Connor McGovern to be the starter and they signed David Edwards to be a backup and probably a guy that's only a two-hole backup at both guard spots. Uh, Doesn't have experience at center. Now, he played right tackle in college, but... I don't think he's a good projection to tackle in the NFL given modest movement skills and he's not super long. And then I talked about some of those issues with hand carriage being a touch low and a bit of a tardy punch at times, and that's going to be a real problem at tackle. So I think he's a two-hole guy at both guard spots, which would actually fall under concerns, right? You want a little bit more versatility than that when it comes to your backups. But we'll talk about the overall makeup of the Bills offensive line here in just a moment because I think it's pretty fascinating how this is shaping up. But first, I need to tell you about Built Bar. In fact, the Built March Madness bracket is here. We know that you have a favorite bar or puff, and now it's time to make it count. So go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'm going to be voting for the Brownie Batter Puffs. Those are my favorites. Whatever bar or puff you like, support it. Head on over to BuiltMarchMadness.com and vote. And when you vote for your favorite, you're entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will get a free box of Built. But not only that, somebody is going to win a 12-month subscription to Built to have the best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. And folks, if you haven't tried Built Bar, what are you waiting for? These are the best-tasting protein bars ever seriously they're so good they're covered in 100 chocolate low calorie 
low sugar, high protein. If you're looking for more lean protein, you got to get Built Bars into your diet. And in fact, like I said, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. So run on over to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your pick. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained, and there's simply no better place to put down your bets than FanDuel. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Let's uh, talk about the makeup of this Bills offensive line as it's taking form here in this offseason. I think you have a defined starting five at this point. Deion Dawkins at left tackle, Connor McGovern at left guard, Mitch Morse at center, Ryan Bates at right guard, Spencer Brown at right tackle. And one thing that I keep saying at every opportunity is that these guys are signed, obviously, for this year. They're all signed for next year. It's probably the position group on the team, maybe outside of corner, where you have yourself really kind of committed to your direction. Now, things can change. Obviously, a, a guy can be better than a guy, and they'll take their job, or the Bills could draft somebody and surplant somebody. That's definitely all possible. But I think it's fair to look at this right now and, and believe to some extent that the Bills feel like they have their starting five potentially this year and next. Now, we'll see. A lot changes. A lot can change quick. Injuries, performance, all of that. But I think that's your I think that's your starting five. Then you have locked up as key reserves, David Edwards, who I think will be your first guy off the bench at left guard and right guard. You've got David Questenbury, who I think is your first guy off the bench at left tackle and right tackle. You've got Ike Bucker, who gives you options on the interior. Three spots, right? He can play center in both guard spots. And then you have Tommy Doyle, who last year was being trained to play four spots, both tackle spots and both guard spots. So you just have a lot of versatility with your backups. And that's nine guys. You're probably not going to roster more than nine. Would I be shocked if that were the nine players on the 53? Nope. Now, obviously, injuries happen, and that changes things very quickly. But that would not surprise me if that were the nine that makes the 53 and eight of them dress on Sundays. I really like how the interior has shaped up. McGovern, Morse, Bates, Edwards, Questenbury, Bacher, Doyle. I mean, really, all those guys can play on the interior, but you've got four guys here that can play center, which matters. Morse, Bates, McGovern, Bacher. And so you feel like you have plenty of guys that can snap. And from there, you can move 
players around as needed. If your second best center is Ryan Bates, then you could feel pretty good about if Morse goes down, you slide Bates to center and put David Edwards in at right guard. And so I just think there's a good mix of versatility here and interchangeability in some ways. I think the Bills' interior is looking pretty strong. Now, is there an elite player there? No. I mean, Mitch Morse is certainly an excellent center, pro bowler last year. Have a ton of respect for him, but do you have a dominant player amongst those interior guys? No. And then at tackle, Dawkins and Brown, I know people are mostly down on Spencer Brown after two seasons, which I can understand. I don't think he's been a consistent player. But to me, it's about the upside there. Really, really special physical ability. A guy that needs more reps, right? He played tight end in eight-man football in high school. Two seasons on the offensive line at Northern Iowa. Doesn't play football at all in 2020. Winds up being a starter in week four in 2021. Has some injuries and 2022 happens. And that offseason's all about rehabbing from back surgery. That missed, made him miss a lot of key developmental time. And so this is obviously a huge year for Spencer Brown. But he's got to put it all together. I think his his growth is as big of a thing for this offense as anything, right? You talk about the quick passing game, slot receivers, speed, more physical rushing attack, more tight end production. All of that matters, but I'm not sure anything is more important than Spencer Brown's development at right tackle. And I think he's going to have every opportunity to do it. And that's certainly leaning into a lot of the comments that Brandon Bean has made about him and even Sean McDermott. So I think it's his job to lose. And do we love David Questenbury as that hedge, right? That's your guy. Like, that's your fallback option. Spencer Brown doesn't take a step. You put David Questenbury in there, and David Questenbury's kind of just like an older version of the same inconsistent Spencer Brown. So I'm I'm optimistic with Spencer Brown. I, I've said already this offseason that I'm close to making him my Dawson Knox, right, where I was really betting on the traits and the physical upside of Dawson Knox after he was inconsistent for two seasons, and that worked out. Year three wound up being outstanding, and Dawson Knox has really proven who he is over the last two years. And let's hope that that same thing happens for Spencer Brown. It's that year three season that Sean McDermott mentions about how you really find out who a player is in the league. My understanding is that he's healthy, ready to attack this offseason, do all the stuff to position himself to play really well. But obviously, I think that's the spot where we're all a little uncomfortable. And maybe some of us, and I'm in this bucket, feel somewhat optimistic about the trajectory there. And so I'm very hopeful based on physical upside, his work ethic, and that he's got a little time on task under his belt and and he's positioned well to take a step. Now, For as much as I think the group is taking form, I would like to see some draft picks or a draft pick added here. All of those starters are locked up for the next two seasons, but none of the backups are. Except for Tommy Doyle. I think Tommy Doyle has two seasons left this year and next. So 
adding more long-term developmental low-cost options is a good idea here. I know Brandon Bean's done well to add like low-cost veterans to come in and fill out the depth, and he's found a way to do this every single year, and I'm sure he can continue to do some of that. But having another meaningful developmental piece here is something that I think is absolutely necessary, especially because four of your five starters, you're paying market-level contracts to. Those are not guys on rookie deals. So I would want some intriguing developmental guys here in the pipeline. So that's what I'm hoping for from a draft perspective. But it's shaping up to be pretty good. Maybe it's not the upgrades you were hoping for, but Connor McGovern is an upgrade to Roger Saffold. That is for sure. David Edwards is an upgrade to the depth of the interior offensive line. So maybe it's more incremental. I don't know. I mean, if you upgrade a a spot, a starter, one-fifth of your starting offensive line got better. And your key interior backup is really strong in David Edwards. So I don't look at this offensive line and, and come away not thinking it's improved. I do believe it's improved. Did they add a top shelf player that's going to change the course of the unit? No, that didn't happen. But McGovern's better than Saffold. And David Edwards is a nice addition to the middle of this offensive line from a depth perspective. And we know the Bills have used their offensive line depth. It's happened every every single year. Every single year. And I don't think 2023 is going to be any different. So I'm feeling, feeling pretty good here. Now, I would say at other positions offensively, whether it's wide receiver or running back, the improvements were maybe more incremental. Deontay Hardy, Trent Shurfield, that elevates your wide receiver four and five. And it gives you a little bit more versatility in a number of different ways, whether it's alignment, areas of the field, special teams. Damian Harris, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you that he's a better player than Devin Singletary because I think Devin Singletary had a really good stretch with the Bills. Very dependable, consistent football player. But I think for the skill set that the backfield needed, I could be convinced that Damian Harris is the right type of player to introduce alongside Naheem Hines and James Cook. Hopefully James Cook in year two is a better player than in year one. Hopefully Naheem Hines in his second season with the team, with a full offseason to onboard, he'll be a better player. So you can... You can be convinced that the running back situation is better. So offensively, while there's still probably some additions coming, I I feel like the team has taken a step. Defensively, no. Tremaine's not here. I'm concerned about defensive tackle. I'm concerned about defensive end. Like your front seven on defense is not as good as it was last year. I don't think it's close to as good as it was last year. And so that's kind of an area where I'm really thinking about this team addressing with draft picks and of course with with whatever moves come and so we're obviously going to track it all we're still on deandre hopkins watch we're still on Ed oliver watch boogie basham's had some weird tweets out there right so we're going to see what happens here but we'll stay we'll stay glued and plugged to uh i guess social media to find out what the heck's going to happen here and if something breaks 
I'll get on this podcast feed as quickly as I can. Hope you enjoyed this sixth episode this week. A lot of stuff happening. I got a lot to say. Got to get the episodes out. I know that our routine was a little bit messed up, but hopefully uh, that didn't impact you too much and you're grateful for the sixth episode and um, are getting excited for the way things are starting to take shape here this week. I know, like I said, there hasn't been a blockbuster move, but I think you can appreciate some of these value decisions that have been made by Brandon Bean to this point and see the overall picture, but there's still plenty of concerns out there, like I mentioned already. So we'll see how it all comes together. We'll talk about it all here on the podcast. So make sure you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, share the podcast. If you like what you're able to enjoy here on the feed, tell someone else about it. I'd really appreciate it. All right, folks, enjoy your weekend. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.